0: This is Gotham TV Podcast episode 77. We're talking about Suicide Squad, the new movie from DC. Hey, this is Drew Powell. I play Butch Zine on Gotham, and you are listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Welcome back, Gothamites. Welcome back, Detectives. We're here for a DC movie. This time we're talking about Suicide Squad, the brand new movie from the DC Cinematic Universe. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hi, I'm one of your other hosts, John. Yeah, great to be back talking about DC movies. We were talking about Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice earlier
1: on in the year, which we actually really enjoyed. Yeah, really enjoyed that, definitely. And it be interesting now to see what our thoughts are on this new, expanded, alternate DC universe that's now jumped on from the Christopher Nolan uh, feel. And what, uh, obviously, with San Diego Comic-Con, you know, there are... Uh, other linkages to this now that we can see coming through, mm-hmm. um, of which there is one guest appearance that occurs in here that, um, to be honest, I wonder whether that was just slightly undermined by his exposure at San Diego Comic Con. It would mm-hmm. have maybe had a bit of a bigger impact for this film if we hadn't seen um, him in his full outfit um Back in San Diego Comic Con, yeah. but I'm sure we will get to that. We'll definitely get into that as we go
0: through. Uh, this is obviously going to be a spoiler-filled discussion about the Suicide Squad movie, which came out this weekend. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, go ahead check it out and come back and uh, listen to the rest of our thoughts uh, on this podcast. If you want to hear any of our other podcasts, all of our discussions about Gotham since Season 1, uh, right the way through Batman v Superman, all of the comic books that we've discussed, all of the animated movies that we've discussed, uh, go over and subscribe to us over on iTunes at Gotham TV Podcast or on any good or evil podcast catcher uh, by looking for Gotham TV Podcast. Uh, you can also follow us over on Facebook and our Facebook group. Just come and join that at facebook.com slash groups slash Gotham TV Podcast. And our big other place to get us is over on Twitter. You can follow us at Guess what. Gotham TV podcast. <laughs> um, great to have you with us again for this discussion. Uh, I think it's about time we get into the movie Suicide Squad. Uh, this movie was written and directed by David Ayers, who previously gave us uh, Fury, uh, Training Day, and of Watch. Cool. Some three
1: really good films, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, on with the synopsis. Absolutely, John, take it away. A squad of villainous misfits is assembled by a secret government organisation to help defend against a potential future meta-human threat to humanity. As the project is given the all clear by the military, one of the metahumans, en- Enchantress, has magical plans of her own to dominate humans. And the newly formed Suicide Squad is sent in to bring her down. In amongst all the chaos, the squad begins to gel and find its groove. Good
0: stuff, John. Well boiled down from uh, from two hour movie into a, a couple of lines of your synopsis, I think. Yes, we'll, uh... a very
1: short synopsis this time. Um, but I, I think it's, it's better for films to just have a, a really quick overview because, yeah. uh, yeah. Otherwise, um, you probably spoil the film. Yeah, probably, probably. Uh, if you don't, if you haven't joined us for
0: any of our previous podcasts, the way we cover our episodes of our shows and the movies is we take five points each, uh, where we discuss uh, the things we liked, maybe didn't like, and the things that uh, maybe some normal points or some Easter eggs about uh, about what we're covering. Um, and this time is no different. We'll be discussing our top five points, our case notes, really about uh, about this movie. Um, where do you want to start, John? Do you want to kick us off with your first point about the film? The thing that stood out to you most, probably.
1: I am. Um, this is my big thing, uh, for the film. The thing I really, really enjoyed from this movie, um, was the characters. Um, and in particular, Diablo, I really enjoyed Captain Boomerang. Um, I did like, uh, Jared Leto's, uh, take on the Joker as well, mm. um, which was interesting. I still think I'm a Heath Ledger fan above uh, this version, if I'm totally honest at this moment. I think I need to probably digest it a bit more, maybe see it some more. Um, There is talk that maybe uh, a larger chunk of his his role was cut out of this film. Mm -hmm. So maybe um, that would add a few more dimensions if there's a director's cut or an extended cut that's released. Uh, But I did kind of like his take on it, uh, certainly because obviously we see probably for the first time, um, him with Harley Quinn. Yeah, yeah, And I loved Harley Quinn. And uh, one of the final characters from this was Amanda Waller, mm-hmm. which was really, really cool. I just, um, I liked how these interacted. Uh, those are the characters that were within the Suicide Squad. I loved the interaction and the, the backstory, which we know between Harley Quinn and uh, the Joker, um, you know, Captain Boomerang, you were kind of thinking, well, how is this going to work? And to be honest, I think Jai Courtney, um, to me, this is, really makes up for the dreadful diehard, uh, movie that, uh, oh, he, yeah. he was in and, and really brings him back to, um, the, the, the one-shot movie with, uh, Tom Cruise, uh, based around, um, Jack Reacher. Jack yeah. Reacher. Yeah. yeah. So I really liked his take on, on uh, Captain Boomerang. Um, I thought, Amanda Waller, really, um, absolutely fantastic. I loved her hard edge. Absolutely superb. Mm. So for me, the characterization of some of these, um, uh, villains that I didn't really know too much about so much was really good. And those that I did know about, I loved either the take on them, uh, like, um, Mar- Margot Robbie uh, as Harley Quinn, but also then Jared Leto as the Joker. Mm-hmm. So this was really good. And I mean, that makes sense to me. I think that shows it's a good movie, ultimately. It um, is because... This is a bit of a characterization piece because it's, it's like the Magnificent Seven, except it's the suicide squad, it's villains, it's coming in. You should be looking at the dynamics between the characters or the individual characters. And I think this film did that for me. I really enjoyed seeing how, how they, they worked. And I think really just to, um, you know, Have all of that, that, that bounce off between Amanda Waller as a human, Diablo as a meta human and his backstory, and and then these sort of, um, the humans with special abilities like Captain Boomerang, you know, that technically maybe not a meta human. Yeah. Um, same with Harley Quinn, just highly trained or just crazy. Yeah. Um, Or Deadshot as well. Yeah. yeah, Really, really cool. Yeah. And so uh, to me, this, was the heart and soul of this picture for me. And Mm -hmm. that I loved. I loved taking that away from this movie. Yeah. Uh, Their, their interaction gelling together and, and just in amongst all this chaos In, in, in a sense, um, Maybe the story was fairly standard. It was fairly, uh, you know, a coming together piece and then fighting a common enemy Mm -hmm. and all of that. Like Magnificent Seven, like, in a sense, uh, Avengers, uh, um, the Avengers or Avengers Assemble. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in this sense, this is we've not had any of these backstories before, except for maybe obviously the Joker. But then he technically wasn't. Part of the Suicide Squad. Exactly. So exactly. Uh, I, I I enjoyed it as a as a, a first off.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, listeners, if you, again if you're joining us for the first time, we do occasionally have points that cross over. I think a lot of my points are going to cross over with John's first point there because you've kind of taken all the characters. <laughs> um, but yeah, I. But I will come to individual characters. Uh-huh. This is the
1: general thing.
0: Yeah. Well, for my first point, I was wanted to talk about the one character that I think is not getting a lot of conversation, but. Absolutely stood out to me in this in this movie, and it is Amanda Waller. Uh, Viola Davis plays a fantastic part in this film. Uh, she's so central to the storyline. She's one of the first characters we see uh, on our screens uh, t- selling this plan to the government about putting together the uh, the Metahuman Task Force, effectively. And um, so, really, her big plan is to get the Enchantress, this five thousand year old witch, to lead a team to take it take down threats that would be similar to Superman, uh, basically, which is a really interesting concept and a grace kind of takeaway from the Superman film, from uh, Batman v Superman as well, that we do need a protection from um from these type of threats uh, i love how she sells it she is the warmonger she's really the one that's kind of selling the nuclear weapons to battle nuclear weapons uh, and she does it so well there's no no doubt in my mind that this part could be uh gender neutral really i suppose it could be any character that plays this part um but so well tied to the comic books i think she plays a great version of amanda waller that we've seen from the comics and from uh, other tv shows she's been an Arrow. an um, so we've seen that character played on screen before. Uh, but having someone with a gravita- gravitas of Viola Davis coming and playing the part does really help out, you know. Um, absolutely. A great moment that she has later on in the movie when the Suicide Squad Unwittingly, I suppose, save her um, in the city in a bit of a escape from New York kind of vibe, where they go in to save someone and then realise it's actually the person that's in, in control of the whole thing. Um, thought that was a really cool concept, but then she takes out all the uh, workers that are that have been working with her in the entire plan, um, saying that. Uh, that they uh, they didn't have enough clearance for this plan anyway um i really love what they did with the character you know it's it's kind of she comes in and out all the way through the film but you feel her uh, management of the situation you feel that she is totally the person in charge whatever about um about rick Flagg, Uh, Throughout the film, him being in charge of the team, she's absolutely the one with the finger on the trigger uh the whole time, and and I like that she is used that way. So I think she's used really, really well.
1: Definitely. I mean, this is definitely crossing over with one of my points. Yeah. I mean, Amanda Waller is a great counterpoint to the Suicide Squad. She's human, and she's as ruthless as they are as Mm -hmm. villains, but she's on the side you know, what you would consider to be the moral or the ethical or the right side. She's the good guy. And I, I think for me, the scene you describe is actually the best scene. And it, it would be one of my points as well. Right. It's the best scene from the movie. It was the moment in the movie which just absolutely encapsulated this, which is that, yes, these are villains. Um, they've done bad things. They're crazy. They kill people. They maim people. They 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 rob. They thieve. All of this, they have dubious morals, um, but they're also complex characters in the same way that the good guys are complex characters. And that scene, where um, Amanda Waller shoots um, all of her staff because Mm -hmm. they didn't have the clearance and they didn't want to, she didn't want the the Suicide Squad and what they were doing to get out, showed the ruthlessness of the good guys as much as. The bad guys would have and and so it blurred the lines it Mm -hmm. it made that moment where actually in an unsentimental way you could connect with the bad guys because you're seeing someone who is technically on the other side doing something equally abhorrent uh calculated and emotionless as they would as deadshot would do say for example Mm. and in that moment uh Instead of all this trying to connect Deadshot to his family and the child and and all this type of thing. Yeah. um, In that moment, you could connect with the Suicide Squad because what you realise is that there is potentially no good or bad. Mm -hmm. Just varying shades of grey. And sometimes, um, you know... Ultimately, what they did is they saved humanity, so they were the good guys. But they also have questionable morals, ethics, and all this. Yeah. And I think in that moment, where she just pulls out the gun and shoots them in the head, uh, one at a time, in front of them, and is matter of fact about it, that to me was where it was the heart and soul of and central element of this entire film. And I thought it was excellent. And it, I was so glad that it was Amanda Waller that provided that. And as you say, Viola Davis was just really, really good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, is that your second point? Or is that... It is really. It was one of my points, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so for my, for my kind of second point, I'm going to talk a little bit about the negatives because it does play in quite uh, closely with this. Uh, I think the tendency within this film to try and... Um, to try and make the bad guys into good guys just goes a bit overboard for me. Um I really wanted to see a film where we have got uh, the villains as leading it, you know, I think there was there was talk for many years about um a Spider-Man spin-off which would be the Sinister Six, all the bad guys. Um, getting yeah. together and and doing a villainous plot together. Um it's something I've always enjoyed in the comic books. DC are well known uh, in um, in the movies and in, in TV shows that they have some of the best villains out there. Uh, their villains are usually very strong. So putting seven of them together on screen this should be the most villainous group possible and maybe you know they're they're not let off the leash obviously um but perhaps they do need someone to calm them down at the end of the film when they're going to go on a big villainous plot uh, i was kind of hoping that we'd see a bit more of that uh yet every character who gets a backstory it's it does feel like they're trying to humanize them and make them good guys. And I didn't think that was supposed to be the point of this film. I thought the point of this film was to say we're using the most lethal weapons to aid us as being the human good guys. We're going to be aided by the most lethal, deadly people in the world um to take out a, a, an even greater threat. But if these guys are let off the leash and are released from our control, then they will go on a killing spree, you know, that kind of way. But I don't get the uh, the concept that uh, Deadshot, for example, would actually go on a killing spree the next day. He would just take more money to, to kill people, um, based on the contracts. Yeah. Um, I, I get the distinct impression that all the way throughout the film, Will Smith's character of Deadshot or his version of Deadshot is being given contracts for bad people, really. You know, he doesn't kill women and children, for example, as he says early on. Yeah, And yeah. um, it's bad guys taking out bad guys or the kind of contracts that he takes. You know, it's it's given that impression. And he's doing it all for his daughter. And he's, you know, that's... He's trying to get her put through college. It's shown, shown at the start that he's... It shows his bank account with $20 left in it. So he's taking that big uh, payment at the start because he needs to get his daughter out of a bad situation. You know, those kind of backstory pieces, which make... Will Smith's character much more sympathetic than I thought Deadshot would be. Uh, We've seen a version of Deadshot in the Arrow TV show. And he's not sympathetic at all. He is a Absolutely murderer, not, yeah. You know, uh, which is what I would have expected. And I think that's partly to do with the casting of Will Smith. I think he has... It's kind of like Arnie in the, in the 80s, where you put Arnie in a film and he wants to make sure that everybody looks up to him. And that kind of feels like what Will Smith did with this part here as well, where he needs to have a backstory for his character that's justifiable when his kids go and see the movie kind of thing. It always feels like something that Will Smith would do. While I love him as an actor, and I do think on screen he has some great moments... I think that was a bit overplayed in this film.
1: I think, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it it seemed a bit hammy sometimes. Mm. However, I loved the part at the end where it could have been really uber hammy. To be honest, but I love the fact that it was trigonometry that they was teaching his kid and talking about it in terms of this is the angle you would take to shoot someone. Mm-hmm. But you've got other variables involved. I thought that was excellent. I thought that was really good fun. And there was a yep. nice little twist instead of him just simply seeing his daughter. Yep. But I agree. Whether it was necessary for him to have this kind of, um, sympathetic good guy type of character, like, he was only doing this bad stuff just to help his his, his child. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I would prefer to have seen an out and out villain, uh, a dead shot villain. Yeah. However, you know, if this is a different interpretation or twist on the character, fine. I mean, I, I didn't mind it too much. Um. And but yeah, it, it kind of complicated his character a bit unnecessarily because you know at the same time I I, I loved um his sort of battle and, and head-knocking with um, Rick Flagg, mm-hmm. who was played by Joel uh, Kinnaman. Yeah. And I, I really liked his relationship with, with Harley Quinn as well. I, I thought that was a nice little team-up between those Absolutely. two, uh, which really, really... Um, you know, came to a head where he was asked to take the shot to kill her as she's escaping on the helicopter. As as her explosive rice krispie that um, has <laughs> been put in at the neck has been, you know, disarmed by by uh, the Joker. Mm-hmm. So I, I I did like his sort of relationship with um with Harley Quinn and so on, and I just think to an extent, then having this kind of good guy persona trotting on in the background, or, or even just overemphasizing, emphasizing exactly. it, uh, just maybe just weakened that portrayal of Deadshot yeah. a bit when all the other interactions I really liked from um, from Deadshot.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. And again, I can't put too fine a point. I really love Will Smith as an actor. I've seen almost every film he's ever done. I really do like him. Um, but I just felt it was a bit overplayed in the film- the, the elements about, about having a family in the past and that he's doing it for the, for, for good and he's, he has rules that he'll follow. Uh, you know, it just felt like it he was trying to say it more and more times. And again, if you have a, an actor like Will Smith in there, you're not going to cover up his pretty face with the uh, with the actual Dead uh, Shot costume. So I think he puts on the mask twice in the film. Which I think, if you got an, a, a lower level actor or an actor that that didn't have as much star power as Will Smith, you probably would have been able to cover up his face a bit more as well. That's another one of the things that kind of it always gets to me in these type of films that an actor would uh, would be cast in a role where their face is covered. Um, yet they have to have it free and clear because of the actor they are. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of that's the costume comes with the role. Uh, that's the part you're taking. Um, like if if Batman wanted to make sure that he always had his mask off, well then you don't have Batman, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, but you see his other persona. You see Bruce Wayne, and mm-hmm. and so you you have that vision of of Bruce Wayne, the man underneath the cowl. Mm-hmm. So even when he's in the cowl, you you have an idea of who he is. I mean, you couldn't have just had a like. You could have just had a Darth Vader type character because Darth Vader. But what I mean is I think in in this sense that that team up and that social element of the squad, it was good to see his face, you know, get the eye contact between Mm -hmm. him and Harley Quinn. Like it wouldn't have worked if he had just had like the Darth Vader mask over him all the time. And, you know, and in a sense, wasn't that kind of character.
0: And yeah, you called that
1: a great moment there between... Uh, Deadshot
0: and Harley Quinn uh, where she gets back from the crashed helicopter effectively she gets away from that uh, and he does have this great reassuring kind of brotherly moment with her where she he knows she may have just lost her boyfriend the man, the love of her life she may have just lost that and he has that great kind of brotherly sisterly moment with her where he's able to take care of her for a minute Yeah,
1: I you love know, that I love that, that, that connection between these two characters I <laughs> it was really, really good right. um, and I think Coming to that in in a wider sense, it's uh, my third point. Um, And it's the bar scene, actually. I I Mm -hmm. really loved it. I thought it connected the whole gang together. I mean, if I've got a slight little gripe about it, I wish it had been done slightly earlier. Mm -hmm. I thought it it took you out of the moment a bit of um, that that. Sort of a frenetic build up towards finally uh, combating the Enchantress and Incubus, her brother. Um, I, I thought it kind of, it just pulled you back from that sort of crescendo of, of the film. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, I really loved the scene. I loved them all together having their moment. I thought Margot Robbie uh, as Harley Quinn in this, you know, talking to Diablo, uh, played by Jay Hernandez, um, who, you know, I, I loved his backstory. I didn't really know much about Diablo. I, I loved the backstory elements from him throughout this story. Um, and I really liked the way she said, you know, you own that shit, basically. Yeah. You know, really him talking about how he kind of lost his his, his wife and children, that if he if he goes too crazy, effectively becomes a nuclear bomb and mm-hmm. he turns into the big uh, fire devil that we see, mm-hmm. um, you know. As he tackles incubus, and I think, um, that was pretty awesome. I yeah, that say, was yeah. an excellent moment. And, and I, I like, I like the way he's describing his backstory,
0: the whole, the whole concept of him getting more and more power on the streets. And that's why, as, as he gets more and more power, he gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And nobody can calm him down when he gets to a certain point. You know, a great moment to realize, you know, if this had been, if it had given uh, more breath to that storyline, um, I loved the concept and I love the actual storyline, but I wish it kind of had, had allowed it to breathe a little bit more because I love. Of the concept of uh, nobody could calm me down, and even my wife, who tried to calm me down, I killed her and my two kids. You know, it's kind of it done a bit, a little bit thrown, away, throw away, and um, enough to get the concept of what's of why he's so scared of using his powers. Um, but I would have liked a little bit more focus on it. But I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a yeah, great
1: concept. But that whole coming together of the gang, that cementing of this, you know, uneasy uh, grouping and, and squad, you know. Was really, really good. I mean, even just with, um, Deadshot saying, you know, we are the Patsies. If this goes right, we're not going to get the credit. Mm-hmm. If it goes wrong, we will take the blame. You know, we are the villains. We are the bad guys, but it kind of, they all kind of come together. And I thought it was really, really good. Um, my only thing was maybe a little bit earlier on could have been good, but I suppose it would have been difficult to have that because they mm. were in custody. You know, or maybe a bit more of a moment, say on the plane. It didn't yeah. necessarily have to be in a bar or something. It could have been another moment. Um, but I loved it. I thought it was a really uh, good little scene. Um, you know, and again, bringing in Rick Flagg, who you know, in my mind, seemed to have been a bit like the unnecessary Basil exposition um, <laughs> from uh, Austin Powers, <laughs> where he seemed to just be saying. Now we can kill her, you know, when it's kind of obvious or, um, just, yeah, he, he kind of got caught in that kind of yeah, position horrible. an awful lot within the, the script. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was nice to see him in that moment because obviously, you know, with regards to the Enchantress and, uh, or, or June, uh, moon, um, played by Cara Delavine, uh, her of the eyebrows, yeah, her of the eyebrows, eyebrows. and model yeah. f- fame. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was an interesting story, and it, the one that really drove this squad coming together, really yeah. forcing the hand of the government to acknowledge what Amanda Waller was saying, uh, as she sort of goes off on a different path and actually mm-hmm. undermines or try seemingly undermines Waller's plan to bring them together, um, by going off and doing her own thing, basically yeah. with with her brother. Um, that you know, it was good to have Rick Flagg in there as well, sort of finally. Uh, realizing that the group were were um fit for purpose, mm-hmm. shall we say in that military sense, you yeah know?
0: yeah, absolutely uh, there is one moment i don't want to sound like I'm just pointing out the bad things. You are saying a lot of the points, and I agree with almost every point that you've said so far about the movie, uh, but there is a moment with Rick Flagg that I think is probably the worst. Uh, worst moment for him, uh, being the exposition guy. Uh, it's where Katana has, um, is, is looking at her sword, which we've been told gathers the souls of the people it's killed. She's looking at the sword going, uh, and we have subtitles explaining it as well that she's saying, you know, I'm doing this for you, my darling. Um, we will, we, we will be gathering more souls today. And Rick Flag says, you see, the sword captures the souls of the people that is killed, and the person that killed uh, her husband used that sword, so her husband's soul is trapped inside. You go, we get that as an audience. We've been told. <laughs> All of that leading up to it, and we've seen it written in subtitles, it was almost as if, well, in case you can't read subtitles, I'm going to say it out loud. It just didn't make any sense yeah. why he would explain it. And I felt it's a bit of a thankless task that he has a lot of the time in this film. The moment you mentioned at the end of the film where um, where Enchantress's heart comes out and he goes, her heart's out now, we can kill her. Which was their entire plan. So, and everybody had seen the heart come out. So, um so again, he's given these moments of exposition that just weren't needed, even for the youngest member of the audience that would be going to this. It's a 15s and over film uh, for us, so most of them would have enough cop to see exactly what was going on on screen. Uh, so, I felt he was being given a thankless task by being uh, by being handed these lines of dialogue that just didn't need to be said by him.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I I think you know it wasn't. That's just kind of the script. And unfortunately, you know, he was the exposition person in a lot of these cases. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, in some cases it was just so deadpan in terms of what he had to deliver that I just felt sorry for yeah. Joel Kinnaman. I mean, like, you know, he was great in House of Cards Fantastic. as uh, Frank Underwood's uh, rival to the, the re-election. Absolutely great. I really liked... um him as the new RoboCop as well. I really liked uh, yeah. him in that, and I just I liked him in this as well. I just felt he got some really doff lines that he had to to do, which was like really difficult to 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 deliver. I mean, even with um, Will Smith, the fact that you know the bits of exposition that he did. So we're going to the big um, the big area of floating trash in the sky. At least it's a <laughs> bit of fun. At least you know you can put a spin on that. Yeah. But you know. Stating the obvious of something that's only just been said, I mean, is, is, just must be a bit like. Must be quite frustrating, yeah. Frustrating, a bit soul-destroying for, for an actor. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, I did like Rick Flagg, you know, that counterpoint again to the, the squad worked well. I think. Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, I think it's time to actually talk about Harley Quinn. We have, we've kind of danced around her a little bit, much like Harley Quinn does a lot of this film. Um, What do you think of the overall idea of Harley uh, in here? I kind of, for me, I think I loved that they gave her her full backstory, the backstory I, I know definitely. really well, which is that she's a psychiatrist in Arkham Asylum, which looks so like the Gotham Arkham Asylum. Um, I was kind of blown away seeing it on the big screen. I uh, Love the defend another building that looks so like Arkham with the gates with, with Arkham Asylum written on it. That's cool. Um, so she is the psychiatrist or psychologist for, uh, for Joker, who is already a prisoner within Arkham Asylum, um, and she falls in love with him. Uh, upon hearing a story that we never get to hear. Um, we don't know why it is that she's fallen for him, but there is a backstory there that he is, uh, he is drawing her out and making her fall in love with him. And eventually, um, he puts metal, or sorry, metal, puts electricity to her brain and fries her brain. Uh, and then at that point, she becomes Harley Quinn by jumping into the vat of chemicals at Ace Chemicals. Lovely to see this uh, on screen. Definitely. Um, we mentioned it during a Batman v Superman uh, review and it counts double here, this is a movie for comic book fans, people who've read the comic books or seen the stories in the in the animated series even, uh, which cleaves very close to comic books. They're definitely not making any concessions for people who are looking for non-comic book logic, I suppose would be the way I'd see it. I'm a huge comic book fan. I I jump on board with a lot of comic book logic within Marvel and DC Universe uh, of comics. And I think what they did here by translating this directly from the comic books Allowed me to see something I've always wanted to see on screen. Um, this character of Joker in love, really. Uh, what would he do to, um, to his, his lover uh, in Harley Quinn? Would she follow him down that path? How does it, how is it handled on screen? Thought it was cool. Uh, really well, really well done. Um, Loved the little flashback that she got to a possible future with a, with Jared Catalano. If anybody's old enough to remember my so-called life, the dream of any 15-year-old will be to end off with, uh, with Jared Lido. So I love <laughs> that she has that little moment of, of seeing what the Joker will be like in a natural environment with two kids and her being the nice, homely mother. Love that. Love those bits. And. A fantastic moment in seeing her in her original costume, um, which, which, you know, you saw for four or five years. And then obviously the comic books take her and turn her into this, um, uh, this what short shorts wearing, um, <laughs> boob top wearing character. Cause they do that in every comic book. So, um, so nice to see those little throwbacks to the storyline we remember from, from the nineties and, and, and noughties of Harley Quinn.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I like yourself. It's one of my points loved. The backstory, I mean, the, the line where Joker and her are above the vat of chemicals and he goes, will you die for me? And he goes, that's too easy. Will you live for me? And she jumps off and survives the chemicals yeah. in the same way that he did when you think back to um, the, the original Batman film by Tim Burton, you know, all of that. Um, I thought was absolutely fantastic seeing, you know, the disintegration of this uh, professional psychologist mm-hmm. uh, at the hands of the crazy Joker. But then as Harley Quinn, uh, for me, Margot Robbie absolutely nailed it. The yeah. voice was perfect. The mannerisms, the kookiness, the, the flirtiness, everything was really good. Um, you know, the only thing I, wish they had done as I wish they had purred back her um, from the trailers because I mm. felt that um there was a moment where I thought am I seeing just a lot of trailers a lot of short dialogue which was put into the trailers and now I'm seeing it on screen again and I'm going it of course it works within the the scene but you know she, it was very snappy one liner from her and I think that was good but it's sometimes as I say the moments when she's having a more of a conversation uh, with Deadshot, uh, I thought was really good mm. as well, and I, I just think they absolutely like nails her kookiness. You know, her looking out, saying, "Look at the the bright lights," and you know, picking the handbag off the uh, out of the shop window. Uh-huh. You know, we're the bad guys. She, she just really reinforced the fact that these were uh, misfits together bad guys together and being forced to do something together and that's what's keeping them together but also that kind of bond between villains i suppose as well um uh, that that was seemed to be taking place you know they, they couldn't be rivals here yeah where they might naturally have been so uh, but i just thought she absolutely pitched it brilliantly A uh, fantastic absolutely fantastic and it comes back to my first point of you know the characters that were drawn here by the likes of Margot Robbie, uh, Viola Davis, Jai Courtney, um, Jay Hernandez. All of this was so, so good. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Um, I love Margot Robbie in this part.
0: She's been... She's been what really been hanging all of the trailers on since, uh, since the first announcement of this film, since the first couple of shots that we saw of it. Everybody wanted to see what she did. Uh, and she does such a great job at this film. Really, really good. Um, st- probably my, as I said, my second favorite character, because I loved Viola Davis's version of Amanda Waller much more than I thought I would. Harley Quinn, um, is something that I've loved seeing brought to life by Margot Robbie. But I, I think you're probably right. The, the amount of trailers and the amount of one-liners that, that were shown, um, over the course of the last year, probably uh, cut the impact a little bit too much for me, but I did
1: really, really enjoy. It. Definitely, yeah. Um, I think that brings me on to my next point. Mm. Um, I'm just gonna, just, I'm gonna pull a negative actually, if I, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really the under use of Killer Croc. Um, oh yeah. You know, I thought. Killer Croc looked amazing. I thought the the makeup and the effect that they did was really good. I I enjoyed the the visual of Killer Croc, and I just felt that um, he was a bit underutilized. Really, I mean, for such a well known character within the Batman world, mm. um, you know, you could have had him playing off with Harley Quinn much more. You know, two people from Gotham in that universe. Um, I thought. He just seemed to be underutilized and kind of that whole thing at the end where they effectively tell the seals to go in to plant the bomb, to put mm. it in a certain area to take out, uh, uh, the enchantress's, uh, brother incubus who's fighting Diablo. Um, and they've got the suicide squad. They're there to be expendable. Yeah. Yet They send in the seals made n- to, to plant a bomb. Where there was no coming back from, mm. um, made no sense to me. Um, it, he's an aquatic creature. He, yeah, no, he does he, go with them. He obviously. goes with yeah, yeah. them, but it, it seemed. But then survives. Mm. So what did he actually do? So it, it seemed a bit strange. I, I thought he was underutilized, and I think in some cases um, it was a bit just inconsistent and. Um, I thought that was a shame because it was one of the characters that I I know really well. I mm-hmm. thought he could have been much more violent, much more of a loose cannon. Yeah. Someone who, in effect, was much more physical and trying to break up the group, you know, has the personal boundary space or something like yeah. that. Um, whereas he just seemed to sort of stand to one side and just, sort of bare his teeth a few times yeah. huh? i i just thought he was underutilized he could have much more could have been done uh with the character in, in a physically violent sense um and, and with the interaction with harley quinn given yeah. that they were both from gotham i'd love to have
0: seen him actually with uh captain boomerang more um because i do think obviously deadshot's also from gotham he had the moment with batman um so deadshot and harley being the Gotham connection, I like the idea of the two bruisers, the the uh, the, the beard-guzzling Jai Courtney uh, and Killer Croc. I'd love to see the two of those play off each other. Um, Just to kind of add a bit more dimension to the full Suicide Squad so that everybody doesn't have to play off the awesome Margot Robbie, you know. Uh, she had a lot to do in this film. Will Smith had a lot to do in this mm. film. I'd like to see a bit more with the rest of the team. I know you can't serve everybody equal amounts in a film like this.
1: No, and but, I mean, the actor Adewali Akinori uh, Abadji... I hope I've got that right. All but right. you know, from Lost. That's right, Really yeah. good. Um, and you know, sometimes I just felt that, you know, you, you bring on these great actors to, to do the work. It is an ensemble piece at uh-huh. the end of the day. You give them more to do. And I do feel that even with Diablo, I loved the backstory that they had with him, but they, it's not that they underutilized him, but maybe in some cases they didn't just, They didn't use him in the right way. Uh Um, You know, like, at the end, suddenly for him to step up and go, um, I've already lost one family, I'm not losing another. Yet for the whole, up until that bar scene, where maybe that got reinforced... Up until then, Diablo was kind of standing back, going, "I can't get involved because if I lose, um, if I lose my rag, if I lose uh, my my concentration and my temper, then things will just become too much, and I won't be able to handle it. And you know, I turn into a a, a, a nightmare, basically, yeah, yeah. A, and and a bomb. And he seemed distant. You know, he had the kind of little." Uh, Clash with Deadshot as well. He wasn't connecting with anyone, or he didn't seem to be mm. really to one side. And yet, at the end, um, he comes to him and says, "I'm not losing another family." And to me, that just felt slightly out of left field. Um, as I say, maybe in the bar scene, where um, Margot Robbie, uh, as Harley Quinn, says, um, "You you own that. You know, you own that that darkness that." Evil or or that that power that you have, even mm. if it is for bad, you own that. Um, that's yeah. yours. No one can take that away from you. Maybe it was in that moment, but still, I just felt maybe that progression could have been a bit clearer in Definitely. the film. And I, I think I, the other thing is as well is you know he was the only human left mm-hmm. in that group. Um, after Enchantress has, in a sense, betrayed that group mm-hmm. um, and betrayed Rick Flagg. And it was interesting to see that if he couldn't get the better of Incubus, what's the point in having a human ar- yeah. army? Um and, and it ended up being by a good old-fashioned bomb. That, that killed him. So why not just send um, a warhead into <laughs> there from afar? I mean, that was the thing. Well, they had to keep him in place. That's what
0: Diablo's job was. It was keeping him in place. This is an ancient, um, an ancient evil that only could be kept in place by Diablo. And then the bomb exploded. Yes, but But they were but staying they in that
1: place anyway. So essentially, go up into the upper atmosphere, <laughs> drop a load of bombs. I mean, that, you know, they didn't, Know that they were coming mm-hmm. until they were there, and then she sensed them. Did uh, the Enchantress? So yeah. um, I, I don't know. It, you know, it kind of just. It would have been better for me if Diablo had been had died fighting Incubus, but ultimately had slain him as well. Yeah, you yeah. know, um, because then. You wouldn't need the bomb, yeah. or if the bomb was ineffectual, they tried that, and they had to get that close or something, you mm-hmm. know. But yeah, I I don't know. It it just didn't fully work for me. But having said that, um, I still enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah. I I think I, one of the things that really stands out to me after seeing the film, and I did, you know, again. Don't want to point out all the negatives, but I do feel the movie was edited with it an inch of its life. Uh, a lot of the time, it felt like a lot of um, MTV videos pulled together into into a, a full form film. So they're editing dialogue to keep it short, to keep everything snappy. Uh, you mentioned the one liners from Harley Quinn. It's like as if she says a one liner and then the camera cuts to somebody else. So there's no breathing or laughter or uh, no moment to kind of catch your breath or for some scenes to breathe. So I think there is a possibility that there was some more stuff in there with Diablo. There's a possibility there was more stuff in there with Killer Croc um in those scenes and they were it was determined that we need more Will Smith maybe, so we'll keep his scenes and lose some of theirs. We we'll need more Harley Quinn, we'll keep her scenes rather than theirs. They may not have even filmed them that may may have been something that was being done in the script. It just felt like a lot of stuff was being cut down that should have been in the film we know for definite as you mentioned earlier on there's a lot of Joker stuff that was done and was cut from the film because he's not even part of the suicide squad why would you focus on the Joker character Um he's not supposed to be in this film his his central piece is that he's her boyfriend that's it that's that's supposed to be the bit for the Joker in this film and um, there is another scene as well uh, that, that now that we're talking about it and um, which is uh, where Captain Boomerang is in the is in the the bar with everybody else and they make this decision that they're all allowed leave. He leaves and goes out the door uh, in a very funny moment. That's a great moment where it's like, you don't have to stay. Nobody has to do this um, if they don't want to. And he goes, all right, I'm off and leaves. And then they leave the bar. And within three seconds, he's back walking beside them. And there's no explanation at all. So yeah. it is just a comedy moment. It's not. It doesn't mean anything at all. It's not his character doing what I thought he would do, which is walk away and go back to Australia. Yeah, because it's just for comedy effect.
1: Yeah, because it's, he was trying to leave in the first instance, yeah. and he was testing whether the explosive Rice Krispie was um, actually real mm-hmm. by, by sending off um, and I, Slipknot. Slipknot. Yeah. yeah. So um, who unfortunately realized that it was turning into a, a sugar puff. <laughs> um, so basically, um, it was. Yeah, it was, it. That was a bit weird. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I
0: believe there's no actual director's cut. David, David Ayer says this is his vision for the film. This was his final cut that he turned in. And it was okay. approved. Um, there were there was more reshoots. We know that after the after around the time Deadpool came out, and there were there were the reshoots done and added extra bits to the film. But we know for definite the Joker stuff that was filmed has been excised because Jared Lita has been very vocal about the fact that this is his, not, not his version of the character that's in the final film. But that happens. That's what, you know, a movie's made on set with cameras and with a script. And then the second part of the movie is made in the editing room. Maybe it just didn't work, um, for that. But I do feel there are scenes for each of those characters that may explain the motivation and may explain why they're in those situations that we didn't get to see that I'd love to have been had added to the film.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think as well. Just coming back to the the fight between um, Diablo and Incubus, even though I would have loved to have seen um, Diablo win that fight, or Mm -hmm. at least maybe it was a you know a zero sum game where they both perished or something. um, At the same time. and maybe slightly contradictory from my point of view um i actually really like the idea and i think this is my final point mm-hmm. i really like the um the idea that ultimately it wasn't the meta humans that took down the meta humans uh-huh. that it it required the coming together of a group of highly trained you know killers crazies or whatever to finally defeat um the Enchantress, Mm -hmm. uh, and her brother, Incubus. I I thought that was a nice little thing. I think it was kind of maybe one of the calling cards of the film that despite Amanda Waller's uh, projection that humanity whether they it's good or evil can work together come together and um fight off a threat yeah. uh, without the need for you know special powers or metahuman Absolutely. powers and yeah. so that I thought was really um a nice little thing to 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 play against the original concepts and so on and I I thought that was good that that kind of made me Feel like, oh, yeah, go, go, regular human. Yeah. Um, really good. Um, so yeah, that, I, I, yeah. I, I thought that was good, even though it kind of flies against what I've just said. Right. But I, I did like that. I mean, what I mean is both ways I kind of liked really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely like that. And I think it's a good piece to take from the Batman v Superman and Superman uh, concept, which is constantly that discussion that must go on if, if there are meta humans in the world, this would be the discussion. Oh God, what the heck do we do now? Uh, we've got someone that can punch a hole through, uh, anything in front of them and can, uh, can blow things up with his eyes. How do we stop that? Um, you know, that was the original question that was posed in Man of Steel. Um, I like that it's answered here. We do have an answer for it. Not a great one. But at least humans can stop it, you know. There is a way. Um, I, I like that. I, I, you know that, that that's a really good, a really good idea. Uh, I think we've gone through major points um, overall. I have a few little notes about the movie, and I think one of those uh, is something that you mentioned earlier on, which is the guest appearances that we see in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do see Ben Affleck's Batman, um, brilliant, yeah, which really good, nice little moments to see him in there, uh, in there three or four times actually, but more than I was expecting. So I didn't expect him to be the one that arrested Deadshot thought that was a cool idea. Uh, we see the death of Batman at the hands of Deadshot, uh, which I thought was uh, in, in his flash forward, I suppose, uh, as as they probably want to call it. Uh, and we see him t- chasing gen- down the Joker and Harley Quinn, which is yeah, very Yeah, really cool. good.
1: And capturing uh, Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. And I, I like the fact that he, he brings her out. And, of course, um, she's faking that she's unconscious and tries to get him. Mm-hmm. That's you know i was kind of half expecting that but still yeah. i liked it when it came you know it was really good Absolutely. Um, and of and- course there's the ezra miller um cameo as well which i thought was cool again oh yeah uh, he took down boomerang captain boomerang yes um really really uh enjoyed this as i say it's what i was kind of alluding to at the start of the podcast was mm-hmm. this this idea was you know the fact that we saw his costume at San Diego Comic-Con, yeah. it was released then, it was kind in the of Justice spoiled trailer, then, yeah. Yeah. in the Justice League trailer. Whilst you could have had Ezra Miller in the trailer just as Barry Allen, I was kind of, okay, really good. But the fact that you see him in his suit and you see it here, can you imagine if you had gotten the first glimpse of the suit here in this movie. Yeah. Just how that would have turned into such a buzz and, mm-hmm. and, and maybe even shown more of it or something. The buzz surrounding that. And instead, it already been seen, so it really doesn't get that much attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to say, again, it just makes me more excited for the Flash movie mm-hmm. um, with Ezra Miller. I thought he was fantastic in the... Um, Justice League trailer, yep. and again, just this little um, cameo. Again, it's just really making me excited for yeah. for the Flash.
0: I'm really excited to see Ezra, Ezra Miller's take on this, and as you mentioned, it's mostly from the Justice League trailer that came out. Um, really excited to see what he does. Um, it was a pity that it's only a, you know, a blink and you'll miss a cameo, but hey, it's the Flash. That's kind of that's kind of what <laughs> yeah, he does. Exactly. Right? Uh, so cool to see that as part of the movie. Um, and then, of course the other little spot i suppose not only do we get a batman cameo we get a bruce wayne cameo in the uh, in the uh, the post credits tag or what's called mid mid credits sting is that it um which is the next one leading up to the justice league uh, where we see that it is in fact amanda waller obviously makes total sense after watching the, the movie, but she's the one that gives him the information on where to find the metahumans. Uh makes so much sense, and I love that they've given something else for her character to do uh, right at the end of the film, where she hands over the information to Bruce Wayne, um and she tells him, you, you look pretty tired, you might not work, but uh, you probably need to stop working nights. Uh, and he tells her, um, if you don't shut down this program, I'm gonna work. My, me and my friends are gonna shut it down. About the Suicide Squad, which I love. That there's a nice little connection there between the Batman series of films and uh, these movies, making sure that it is all connected now on the DC side.
1: Yeah, I mean, a really good mid-credit little scene that that means something as yeah. well. Um, which I always think is important for for these things. Um, I think yes, they can be fun, but they also do need to mean something. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to be honest, you know. Good on them for taking something that Marvel is doing well and saying, look, we're going to do the same thing. I mean, at the end of the day, it isn't necessarily something entirely new. Mm-hmm. Um, in effect, it's a reverse James Bond film Absolutely. at the moment. Uh, instead of having it at the opening, they do it in the end credits. So, fantastic. Um, really good to see uh, this being used and in a meaningful way as well. Um I've just got uh, one note it's my funny moment it's the um gyrating hips of death um <laughs> from the enchantress I knew we'd um, get there eventually the um the the zumba dance of disaster that um she's doing Uh there is one moment where she's kind of got her arms out to the side and she's moving her hips around to to presumably get more trash into the air to create this machine and mm. um, that's gonna destroy humanity. Um and I thought, what a great way to bring uh, death and destruction down onto a world. <laughs> you that you dance away to it. Um in, in, uh, islands in the UK, there is, uh, the dancing on ice and, and this ballroom dancing, mm-hmm. uh, TV show. I don't particularly watch it or, or like yeah, it. Yeah. Um, but I just thought that puts a whole new spin on, um, come dancing. <laughs> or is it come dancing? Yeah. Guess. Something like that. Anyway, um, yeah. I, that's why I don't watch it. I just, I don't really know, but it's, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the, the gyrating hips of Doom um, from the Enchantress. Uh,
0: Can I say I'm really sorry for poor Cara Delevingne. Um I think this is what they wanted when they hired a model in the movie. She's done a couple of films, and she is getting some really good uh, critical praise for other films that she's done, but there is absolutely nothing for her here to work with. <laughs> the the, other the, funny... er, the early on moments where she's playing the character of June. Uh, June. The moon. Um, there's some, there's some good there's some good little bits there where she's trying to keep uh, enchantress at bay there's some little bits there but that's probably 2 minutes of her performance the rest of the film is just her in a skimpy top uh, gyrating to CGI basically,
1: which is really unfortunate for the actors. Yeah. I mean, it, she was really good as June Moon, and that, that, that yeah. whole thing between her and Rick Flagg, I, I really liked. I thought actually more could have been pulled out from it, but Absolutely. it was still good. I also think the other funny thing that she has as well is the bad case of talking in your sleep. It's like, uh, <laughs> Enchantress! Damn it! (laughs) Oh no! I've just called my my alter magical ego uh, by talking in my sleep. So I I could have said any other word in the English language. Why did it have to be that?
0: Yes, yes. Uh, Terrible little moment for for the poor thing. It was just a
1: bit convenient (laughs) that um, that was the word that she used. It would be like Mary Poppins uh, in her sleep going supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. I can't believe you went for that as your example. Well, it's because <laughs> it's so... It would have been uh-huh. so outrageous you know, that again, that would have happened.
0: I am certain there's an explanation for this. I'm certain that the whole point is Enchantress has possessed her. She's under her skin. I'm sure this is her way of forcing herself through at a moment of yeah, weakness for June while she's asleep. But that was never said in the movie itself.
1: So so I'm going to give it that. I'm, I'm going to yeah, say... No, me too. I, I just... It was, it, was it, was it was hilarious. hilarious. It was hilarious. absolutely
0: hilarious,
1: definitely. I think the other note is just... The massive soundtrack as well. Oh, absolutely for, for the movie. I yeah. mean, just I mean, I don't know whether he was trying to go Quentin Tarantino on this with just all the musical references peppered throughout this movie, but like, um, yeah, some really good tunes in mm-hmm.
0: there. Yeah, the soundtrack's excellent. Really, really like it. Love the Twenty One Pilots song. Love some of the some of the other songs that are in there. Um, I was quite amazed that every single song they used for all of the trailers. I think they've had. Six or seven different TV spots and trailers with different music, all done to music. I was quite surprised that all of them were in the movie. Uh, I think there's over twenty tracks uh, included in in the film itself. Um, while we were waiting for the for the final possible, what we thought there might be a final uh, teaser scene at the end, uh, while we were waiting for it. I couldn't believe how long the music uh, cues were all scrolling up on the screen. There's so many definitely. of them. Uh, but yeah, it really worked. And, and again, if you're going to do this kind of film, which is really punky and has a, has that kind of, um, definitely a, a, a base in music, uh, you're going to have to have everything scored with popular tracks from, from now. And they're really, there's some really good tunes. Really, really enjoyed it. Uh, the last one, because I don't know whether it's come across about Joker. Um, let's have a quick discussion about Jared Lee Joker. You mentioned it earlier on yourself. Um, for me i really think there's not enough here to make my decision whether he's the best joker or the worst joker or a terrible joker or a good joker he he's in he served there.
1: a backstory yeah,
0: ultimately and i liked i liked his take on it i really did i must say i did like his take on it But I'm going to wait for the next Batman film and I'm going to look forward to seeing Jared Leto. I'm definitely not, I definitely don't want another version of the Joker in a future movie. I want Jared Leto to take this character and play a big role in the next movie. And if it's, if it's Justice League, if it's, um, if it's the next Batman film, the solo one that's supposed to be out in 2019, um, I like his take on it. I want to see him play much more in the movie.
1: So do I, I really liked his take on it. Um, it's not so much that I, liked or disliked it compared to Heath Ledger's. For me, I just prefer Ledger's uh, portrayal because I liked its context within the Nolan films, and um, I just thought it was done so well. Um, And it's not saying one's better or the other. It's just my preference is for Heath Ledger's. But I liked Jared Leto's take on the Joker, and I liked... It fitted well, and yeah, I don't want to see multiple versions of the Joker now. Mm -hmm. I think Jared Leto is the, um, is the Joker, and I can't wait to see him with a bigger meteor role because at the end of the day, it felt right. It it just worked within the context of the film. Yeah. Him, like, taking on this meteor role, and so it just, it's good to see, and I can't wait to see more of him as the Joker. Definitely,
0: definitely. Um, this just wasn't the film for it, uh, and I think they made the right choice, probably. I'd love to have seen a, a bigger role for a minute, but, you know, I actually thought going into the movie, he was going to be the bad guy. That's why I thought they weren't revealing a lot about him. I thought he was going to be the thing that the Suicide Squad were uh, chasing down, that, um, that Harley Quinn might have to fight with the, with the concept of taking down the Joker. I thought that was going to be the big thing. And then it's like, they introduced Enchantress as, It's a 5,000-year-old witch, and the way we're able to control her is by having her heart in this locked box, which takes ages to open. She's a witch. And instantly I knew, oh, she's going to be the bad guy because she's going to... She's going to be able to do whatever she wants to. Um, she was able to break into a Russian, um, a Russian vault and get the plans within about three seconds of them giving that to her as a mission. Uh, I don't think you're going to hold on to that heart love for very long.
1: Um, but that's the concept I thought they were going for—that it was going to be that the Joker would have been, as the bad guy. That would have been a great concept for the film, and it would have elevated the film i I think with that i mean what i would say on this you know to give an overall impression Mm -hmm. i really enjoyed this film um and i enjoyed it as an action piece for me the best part about this was getting to know uh the characters um in in the suicide squad and Mm -hmm. and particularly ones that maybe i didn't really know so well and standouts for me were harley quinn um Amanda Waller, uh, Jai Courtney's uh, Boomerang, um, Jay Hernandez's Diablo. Mm -hmm. I I liked how all um, of them. (laughs) No, I I I like Will Smith as well, but like because I've watched Arrow, I feel like I know Deadshot. I know Mm -hmm. he brought different types and 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 feeling towards uh, that character. But for me, I I loved um, the the these characters. You know, I, I love the fact that Captain Boomerang worked. And that was down to Jai Courtney and yeah. how he did it. I love the fact that you had two really strong women central to uh, this film in in Harley Quinn and Amanda Waller. Uh-huh. Uh, really good. Uh, and Diablo, I loved his backstory. I loved his sort of subduedness. Um, so this was really good uh, for me. Um but I think actually having the Joker as a bad guy, having that dynamic between him and and uh, Harley Quinn, would have elevated this movie beyond a standard group forms. Get control the bad guy, mm-hmm. um, bad girl in this case, um, we all live happily ever after type of thing. A, a few deaths on the way. I know I'm maybe being a bit ingenuous there, <laughs> but I mean, you know, it it, it is that it, it's it's that standard kind of story, mm. and and it's what they do around that that makes it work right. or not. Right. And I think they did just enough. I would definitely give this um, three skimpy trousers with, with a baseball bat out of five. Um, you know. Go in and watch it as an an action movie Mm -hmm. um, and and really enjoy the characterization, in particular, Harley Quinn uh, and uh, Amanda Waller Mm -hmm. uh, and just enjoy um, the the fest of having these bad guys together on, on screen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm probably about a, a little bit lower
0: uh, scoring than you, but I but I do think it's 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 middling. I'm, I think it's it's a, a, not as good a film for me as Batman v Superman, and and not as good as the extended version that we've now seen on on Blu-ray. Um, I'm hoping there's more to come from the Suicide Squad. Um, I did like the reward for these guys at the end of doing the whole thing when Amanda comes out and says, uh, "Right, that's ten years off your sentence," and they all go. But we have life sentences. Ten years off is nothing, really, is it? (laughs) Like that. Like that. Three life sentences sentences. for
1: for Captain Boomerang.
0: Exactly. I like that kind of idea. Um, and that that joke, which basically means they're back on ice again until the world needs them again. I like that it's not just happily ever after. Nobody gets exactly what they wanted. Um, nobody gets to go back to their old lives. They're all back in prison, except for one character. Harley Quinn, who's been rescued from prison by, uh, by Joker. So maybe we will see that movie yeah, where Joker that, is be cool. up against the suicide squad. And maybe that's the next movie. Um, so you never know. Uh, overall, yeah, really enjoyed it. I'd, I'd recommend it. It's a good fun night out, yeah. but. You know, it's a comic book. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's supposed to be disposable. It's supposed to be fun. Uh, go enjoy it for that. It's not going to set the world alight.
1: Though. Exactly. And that's why I give, give it three out of five. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it's a recommend. Go and enjoy it. Sit back, relax. Um, and in effect don't take it too seriously absolutely you know really good in that sense uh-huh. well that's it for our Suicide Squad review really really glad that
0: you joined us for this one we'll be back again obviously with a couple more podcasts before season three of Gotham starts uh, in autumn we hope uh, in the UK and Ireland on Channel 5 uh, we still don't have a date obviously we're um, we're about a month out from when it starts back in the US so we're hoping we'll get a, an announcement of a date for the UK and Ireland soon uh, but I'm sure you'll be able to find us uh, with our new podcasts as they come out just make sure you subscribe to us over at gothamtvpodcastcom slash itunes while you're on itunes why not leave us a review it allows other people to find the podcast and we'd love to hear from you uh, if you want to send us any feedback on our episodes you can email
1: us at feedback at gotham yeah you can also send feedback or comments um, on anything to do with the tv show gotham or the dc universe just go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash gotham tv podcast or you can go over to twitter find our twitter handle at gotham tv podcast and if you have something to say in 125 characters or less (laughs) yes because you need a few less Um, but yet so
0: good so good to have you join us we will be back very soon Um, thanks so much
1: yeah as always thank you so much for listening and we'll be here again next time Mm -hmm. bye
0: until then we're going to be listening to the soundtrack for suicide squad absolutely (laughs) Bye. Thanks for being a Butch supporter. Butch loves you, baby.